So um, we start, I started a series last week on uh, pillars. And we talked about last week about prayer, that prayer is an important part of, of the pillars. Obviously, the foundation is Jesus Christ. And we build upon that foundation. Anything less than the foundation of Jesus, the building's going to crumble. It's going to fall. Whether it's of man, whether it's of a a government or a world system, it's going to crumble, it's going to fall. And so we talked about prayer. And hopefully I came across last week, not as you got to pray, and that if you don't pray, God's ready to zap you but that God enlightens, he makes our heart come alive with the desire to commune with him. It's not a religious duty that we do, it's an opportunity to commune with the God of all heaven and earth. To where we come, and the Bible says we can draw near to him and he draws near to us. It is where the God of all creation, the one we sang to this morning, the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning, the end, the first and the last, we have an opportunity every day of our life to draw near to him, and God promises to draw near to us. I don't know about you, but that's phenomenal, that the God of heaven isn't some grandpa up in heaven in his rocker and said, well, I've created the world, I'm just kind of taking it easy. But he says, I want to be involved in your life. I want to walk with you in this thing called life. And I want to journey with you. And I want you to draw near to me. And I'm going to draw near to you. And in your brokenness, in your heartache, in your successes and failures, I want to walk with you in this. So it's not about folding our hands, bowing our eyes, or bowing our head, closing our eyes. It's about walking with the creator of all heaven and earth. So today I want to talk about the second pillar, and it is the word of God and the Holy Spirit. Now, I don't want to come at it like you've probably all have have had it come at you as you've grown up in Sunday school or whatever, you need to read your Bible. Do we need to read our Bibles? Yes, and deal. We do. We need to read our Bible. But what has happened, there is this condemnation that has come. Instead of the Spirit of God birthing a hungering and thirsting in our lives for prayer, for his word, for the listening to the Holy Spirit, we've made it a religious duty. So in the morning, we have our devotions. What do we do? Check. I've done my my devotion. I've read Oswald Chambers. I've read whatever. Check. Whereas God wants something more and deeper in us in understanding the Word of God, and the Holy Spirit. He wants us to take us deeper in Him. And so today I want to come at it from a different angle. I really want that you just let the Holy Spirit speak to your heart. That you're saying, okay God, I'm an open book today. Speak to my heart. And then when you leave here, There's this desire 
to know the Word. And the Word is Jesus. Not just the written words on a page, but to know Him. Because all of Scripture points to Him. You see, you can study, study, study the Word of God and miss Jesus. That's what Jesus said to the Pharisees and religious leaders in John 5. You search the Scriptures thinking that in them there's eternal life. I'm right here before you. I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. You're missing it. You know, the Pharisees and Sadducees had the first five books of the Old Testament memorized word for word. But when Jesus walked right before him, they missed him. They didn't even understand the prophetic scriptures. There was a Messiah that was going to come and he was to suffer. They didn't even recognize him, but yet they knew and had the word memorized. So we want to talk about that. A couple of quotes. Every word of the God-breathed character of Scripture is meaningless if Holy Scripture is not understood as the witness concerning Christ. Another quote, the whole Bible is about God's mission with Christ as the central character of the Bible. Please hear me, if you forget everything else today, hear this. Christ is the central, the imperative, the important thing from Old Testament to New Testament. It's not just about knowing doctrinal facts, even though that's important. It's not just knowing that how to defend your faith, even though that's important. It's about knowing Jesus because the Word of God points to Jesus. And so you can know all the facts about the scripture you can quote and run circles probably around all of us, but if you don't know Jesus, you've missed it all. So the Bible, don't misunderstand me, because progressive Christianity now is talking that the word of God is basically obsolete. There are no absolutes. That it's just a book, and some of the stories and fables in them are not true. That's going on all around us right now. But I want you to hear this. The Bible is the corner part of this narrative. It is an important part of the story because God reveals His Son through Scripture. God reveals Himself through His Son that we see the Father. Without the Word of God, you don't know who Jesus is. I don't know who Jesus is. I don't know the character and attributes of our Father. Then we rely on fables and old wives' tale instead of God's Word. The Bible is the corner. Jesus taught that I will be at the beginning of creation and I'll be at the climactic end when the bride and the groom are joined together, I'm at the very beginning and I'm at the very end. We sang about it today. He's the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning, the end, the first and the last. It began with Jesus. It's going to end with Jesus. I don't know. If that doesn't get you excited, your wood is wet. <laughs> that excites me. And all throughout history, 
Even when the, in the Old and New Testament and throughout Christianity, Jesus has already, always been that central part. The problem has been when the church has got off on tangents and gone different ways and Jesus hasn't remained at the center. That's when they get skewed. You ever heard of the Dark Ages? There's a reason why there were Dark Ages. Jesus got left out of it. And so he is the beginning. If we do not read in the scriptures everything pertaining to Jesus, it's not Christianity. It's a religion. Let me say that again. If everything does not point to Jesus in the scriptures, it is not Christianity. It's religion. And we have to be discerning in this day so many Christians kind of just get swept by whatever the fad is or whatever popular pastor is preaching a message. Oh, man, this is it. And we miss the essence and the truth of the gospel. In Hebrews chapter 1, if you have your Bibles, Hebrews, you know what? I've had this Bible since I started Bible college in 1976. I know some of you weren't born then. I hear it all the time. But I have this Bible, and the other day I got it out, and some men that I really, really admire and respect had written in my Bible. I was just rereading some of that. Just really blessed me. But Hebrews chapter 1, it says, In many and various ways God spoke of old to our fathers by the prophets, but in these last days, he has spoken to us by who? His son. He's spoken to us by his son. That's important. Whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom he also he created the world. Now, we're going to talk more about that in just a minute. But he's speaking through us through his son. In the Old Testament, yes, he spoke through the prophets and he would bring the word. But now today he speaks through his son. Jesus is God's language. If you want to know how God speaks, read the Gospels. When Jesus spoke, it was, that it was God speaking. It's God's language. When God wants to communicate to us, he does through his son. Now think about this. Everything in the Old Testament points to the reality of Jesus. Everything. But see, we've never been taught to interpret and look at Scripture as that way. We look at it as a narrative with just little stories all along. But every story, every poem, every song points to the reality and the fulfillment of Jesus as the head of his church. In Genesis, God through, spoke through types, shadows, stories, and events that embodied Christ in his work. In Exodus, he revealed Christ through Israel's exodus and also the tabernacle of Moses. And these are some I would love, I, sometime I'd love just to go from Genesis to Revelation and see how everything points to, to Jesus. But we'll continue to pray on that. In Leviticus, he revealed Christ through various ceremonies, sacrifices, and rituals. 
In Numbers, he revealed Christ through each station of, of Israel's wilderness journey. In Deuteronomy, he revealed Christ through commandments and testimonies. In the prophetic and historical books, the prophets and the historical books, he revealed Christ through prophetic declarations, predictions and actions of prophets and kings. In the writings, he revealed Christ through songs, poems, and proverbs. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16, it says, All scripture is inspired. Some of your translation says, God breathe. This is the first time in all of scripture that that phrase was brought. It was as if Paul was coining a new phrase. He was coining a new term to convey the importance of the authoritative word of God. The Hebrewic Bible, that how authoritative it was, how important that we understand. Yes, it is a book, but the book reveals the living word of God. In Luke chapter 24, you can write this down and look at it later. Have you ever wondered when the church was birthed in Acts chapter 2 and they grew, first day, 3,000. Then they began to, it says they grew daily. That's, that's phenomenal. How, what did he teach? There was no New Testament. The New Testament was happening before their very eyes. So what did they teach? They taught the Old Testament with the revelation that the Old Testament was the fulfilled in Jesus. Remember, Jesus says, I've come not to abolish the law, but to what? Fulfill it. So in Luke chapter 24, verses 13 through 35, there's two guys walking about seven miles to the village of Emmaus. And so they're walking, they're talking, they're, they're downtrodden. <laughs> Just pray there's no bombs being dropped. And so they're talking about this Messiah. He's been crucified and they're, they're just kind of dialoguing and their hearts are grieved and broken. And all of a sudden Jesus joins them. And he said, what are you guys talking about? And basically they said, dude, where have you been? Have you not heard of this Messiah that was to suffer? And now he's gone and he listened to him. And it's interesting. And it says, he began from Moses forward to explain that the Messiah had to suffer and that he would be buried and rose again. They went to Emmaus, sat down, they, he broke bread, and it says, and their eyes were open. And it's interesting, it said, didn't our hearts burn while we were on the road for this Messiah? But what I want you to see, Jesus opened the scriptures from Moses forward to reveal Jesus. When we just cut out the Old Testament as just simple stories without us interpreting through the lens of the eyes of Jesus, we miss 
the awesomeness of the word of God. We miss that purpose that God has intended for his word. St. Augustine said it this way, the Old Testament is in the New Testament revealed. And in the New Testament is the Old Testament concealed. I love that. Many, many years ago, I just came to this understanding. I never was taught in my Sunday school days or anything else that everything in the Old Testament points to Jesus. Now, we, I did take the tabernacle and they broke it down, how it applied to Christ, but no one ever told me about Leviticus and how that can be interpreted with Jesus. And so we have to understand and interpret Scripture in the light of who Jesus is. It is not just a document. You know how they count the numbers of a tree? They cut it down and they uh, count the circles. And the Word of God is not just some document, some old parts document that we open up and say, well... Yeah, this was this year, that year, and it's just something that we look at scientifically or with human eyes. The Word of God is supernatural. Man co-authored the Word of God with God. Those men died, but the Father is still alive. And that's why the number one selling book of all time is the Bible, hands down. For decades and generations, they have tried to disprove, they've tried to discredit, they've tried to discount. They can't because it's divinely implemented and brought together by the hand of God. Jesus is the Lagos. John 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. When God breathes, it is Jesus that he's imparting to us. The Spirit of God's breath, which it, the word Spirit and breath are the same in the Old and New Testament. But the New Testament clearly tells us that the Holy Spirit's responsibility is to glorify, magnify, and exalt Jesus. And so part of the pillar is of the Word of God and the Holy Spirit, what has happened. We have, some camps have taken just the Word. And they've forgotten about the Holy Spirit. And I'm going to talk a little bit more about that. And I hope that this brings some, like, an aha moment this morning. And yet on other camps, they have the Holy Spirit, but not much of the Word of God. But I want to tell you today, you cannot separate. You cannot just say, well, we have the Word and not have the Holy Spirit. If you just have the word, you have legalism. That's what the Pharisees and Sadducees had. But yet, if you just have the spirit, you have fanaticism. 
A word doesn't matter. It's what I feel. No, it's not what I feel. It's what God's word says. They go together. Please hear me. Jesus said in John 4, they will worship me in what? Exactly, spirit and truth. He didn't say they're going to worship me. Those over here are going to worship in the word. And then over here, the spirit, he said, those who are going to worship me. You cannot separate the two. You can't say, well, we got the word. And others say, well, I got the spirit. As believers, we say we have the word and the spirit. The word of God is living and active, Hebrews 4.12. And we'll look at that scripture in a minute. It's not some dead document. It is a sword that is double-edged. It is able to divide even your attitudes and my attitudes this morning. It can discern where you and I are at. It is not a dead parchment, but it is alive. But when we look at it as some book, just I'm going to do my devotion, I'm going to do my ditty, I'm going to do my thing, then it becomes just a book. Whereas God's saying this thing is alive, it's real. Hebrews 4.12, for the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit joints and marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of our heart. 2 Timothy 3.16, all scripture is God-breathed, breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness that the man, woman of God may be competent, equipped for every good work. John 1, 1 through 4, in verse 14. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God. And the Word was God. Listen to this. He was with God in the beginning. Where was Jesus? He was there with God in the beginning. Through Him. Who's Him? Who's Him? Yeah, it's Jesus. Through Jesus, listen, this is important. Through him, all things were made. How many things were made through Jesus? All things were made through Jesus. Without him, who's him? Without Jesus, nothing was made that has been made. Jesus was in the creation story. It was through him that all things were made. If he would not have been there, we would not be sitting here today. Our bodies would disintegrate. He holds all things together. All the atoms, the things in our body, he's the one that holds us together. This floor, this concrete, he holds it all together. The bleachers that are cold, and I apologize for that. Bring a blanket next Sunday. He holds that all together. The building that Eric's construction company built, they built it, but guess who holds it all together? Don't say Eric. <laughs> Jesus. Jesus holds it together. The wheelchair that I pull, push Pam up here, guess who holds that together? Jesus. Are you getting the picture? 
We think it's our great ingenuity. We think it's our great logic and wisdom. But in the reality, in the scope of things, this pillar of the Word of God, Jesus holds it all together. He says, in him was and is life. Let me tell you something. Those that are watching online and here, apart from Jesus, there is no life. You can get mad at me. You can say, Pastor, you're legalistic. But I didn't say that. God said it. In him is life. Why do you think everyone's looking for something in life, whether it be money, sex, booze, drugs, titles, cars, houses? There's a void that only can be filled by Jesus Christ. He's the only one that can fill us. And that's why we're looking for something. We're looking for happiness. And the only one that gives us life and gives it to us abundantly is Jesus. In him was life and that life was the light of all mankind. The word. The word became flesh. You want to know what God's like? Study the Gospels and the life of Jesus. That's what God is like. His compassion. What, what ticks God off? You ever thought about that? I preached a message years ago out of Ezekiel when God gets mad. It's not pretty. But he does. But when you read the Gospels... And everything in the Old Testament's pointing to that fulfillment in him. We are seeing God. And God became flesh. The word became flesh and dwelt. The word is tabernacle. I love that. He tabernacled with us. He walked around. The funny thing is, those that were the sinners, the outcasts, You know, the down and out, they recognized him as one with power and authority. The religious people missed it. And so even us, as a church, we can miss Jesus in the midst. And we can seem so righteous and right, but we can miss him even when he walks by. In Colossians, this is for you, Lauren. Colossians chapter 1, verse 15 and 17. Colossians is one of my favorite books. The sun is the image of the invisible God. They were seeing God. So you say, well, Craig, I haven't seen God. Yes, you have. You've seen God. It's called his church. So when you go to work tomorrow, they see God. Now, it may not be a good picture of God, <laughs> But they're seeing God because of our love. Jesus said, by this you'll know we are disciples by our love. It says, the Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. In him. Who's him? Christ. All things were what? Created. All things were created by Jesus. Things in heaven. He created things in heaven. Did you ever hear that? It's going to be awesome when we get to heaven and say, wow, Jesus, that's amazing what you've created. 
He says, all things were created, things in heaven on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authority, all things have been created through who? Jesus and for him. Everything was created through him and for him. Are you beginning to see the significance of Jesus? Are you understanding while the world can go, we love God, yes, let's come together, kumbaya, let's hold hands and sway, God is so good, but once you mention Jesus, all hell breaks loose. Because Jesus is the dividing line for truth and absolute in our society. Is it any wonder Jesus said, they hated me, they're going to hate you. They're going to kill me, they're going to kill you. Jesus always was, always will, will be the dividing line because he said, I am the way. Not a way, I am the way. I am the truth, not a truth. And I am the life, not a life. And the world says we're narrow-minded. I didn't say that. You didn't say it. Jesus said it. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. Now, Genesis. In Genesis 1, verse 3, it says, And God said, Let there be light. And God said, Let there be expanse, verse 6. And God said, let the water under the sky be gathered to one place and let dry ground appear, verse 9. Then God said, let the land produce vegetation, verse 11. And God said, let there be lights in the expanse of the sky to separate the day from the night and let them serve as signs to mark sacred times, days, and years, verse 14. I want to teach on that verse sometime. And God said, let the water teem with living creatures and let birds fly above uh, the earth across the expanse of the sky. Verse 20. And God said, let the land produce living creatures according to their kind. Verse 24. God was speaking the word and the earth became. Out of nothing. It wasn't a big bang theory. God spoke the world into existence. But what I want to bring to this point is the beautiful orchestra of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit at work in creation, which will also be at work in the great wedding feast where the, our bridegroom will come down in a white horse and the bride of Christ will be displayed in all its glory without spot, wrinkle, and blemish. And there the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit will put on the greatest wedding feast you've ever seen. And so God's speaking. Where is Jesus in this? Because it says, and God said... It was, he was right there with God as God was creating the universe. As he was creating the earth, it was through Jesus that all of this took place. 
And then it says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the spirit of God was hovering over the earth. We have the beauty of the Trinity, of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit in orchestra, in concert, in unity, in the creation of the world. See, many, many times we talk about the Father, and then we talk about Jesus, and we forget the Holy Spirit. They were one accord. There were three of them, but yet one. They were in unity, in one accord, in forming the earth. And throughout history, it has always been the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. A pillar that has to be at KVC is prayer. But it is the word of God that's interpreted through Jesus Christ. Not just a book to memorize, not just a book to say, I did my devotions today, but so we can encounter Jesus. And when we encounter Jesus, we become like Jesus and our life changes. We're no longer selfish. We're no longer proud and arrogant, but we become humble. We become people that are broken. Listen, we're all broken, every one of us. That's why we need to, as we work of, look at the word of God, we filter that through who Jesus is and how he wants to work in our life. Yes, the word of God is so vital to your life, but I'm not going to sit here today or stand here and condemn you if you're not reading the word of God. What I'm asking is to ask the Holy Spirit to quicken your heart to quicken your heart, to fall in love with this book because it reveals our Savior. It reveals who He is, not some legalistic thing we do and check off, but because Jesus has transformed our lives. So the second pillar is the word and the Spirit. They're in concert. You know what? They make up their own orchestra. They're all the, the band leader, the maestro, but they also play all the instruments. It's pretty incredible. And so a pillar for us, for you as individual believers and for our body, is that we know him. You can take any verse in the Bible and pull it out and get it to mean what you want. But if you take it in the context, pointing to Jesus, it changes a lot of things. We need to be diligent. Scripture says to be a workman under God who rightly divides the word of God. The Bible says that we need to be prepared to give a defense for the hope that's within us. The hope is Jesus. It's not so I can put someone down. 
It's not so I can show someone my superiority of the Bible, but it's so we can point people to Jesus. That's the hope I have. That's the hope that, that all would come to know him, that all would come to be saved. But that pillar in your life, it was in the beginning, it'll be in the middle, and it's going to be in the end. You cannot separate the Word and the Holy Spirit. You can't. That's why we have so many denominations. That's why we have so many factions. Well, I like this group better than I like this group, or I like this group better than I like that group. As brothers and sisters in Christ, it's the Word and the Spirit. So I'd like the worship team to come up. You know, when I started studying and thinking and praying about these pillars, um, I mean, I've talked about prayer. I've talked about the word and the spirit, but I've never preached a message like that. And I pray today God has awakened something in your heart that he's just, just awakened the Holy Spirit that abides in you to say, help me as I read the word. I hear, I've heard this, well, for 40-some years from people. I read the Bible and I don't understand it. And so translated many times, is so I just won't read it. But Jesus said, I'm giving you the Holy Spirit and he will be your teacher. Is that true? He's our teacher. Yes, God has given us gifted teachers, given us Google. You can Google anything in the world. You've got to be careful, especially when you're Googling scriptures, because there's some pretty crazy stuff out there. But he's given you the Holy Spirit. And so what we say when we say that, I'm just going to stop reading the word. I stop just, just reading it because I just don't understand it. Jump in. Just a simple prayer, Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, teach me. Send me someone that will help me learn. Like Jesus did on the road to Emmaus. He taught from Moses forward and their eyes were opened. Just because we don't understand is not an excuse to continue to dive in and become more like Jesus. Next week we're going to talk about community. These are pillars. You want to know about KVC if you're visiting? These are the pillars. Prayer. God's begun to ignite. I pray it turns into a prayer movement. Like the Moravians, for a hundred years they prayed. Now, I won't be be around at that time, but wouldn't it be awesome if he starts a prayer movement? It not just affects KVC, but affects the body of Christ in Kenya. 
where we begin to pray and pull down strongholds over our nation, where we began to believe 2 Chronicles 7.14 that says, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and seek my face, then I will hear from heaven and I'll heal their land. What if we start beginning to rightly interpret scripture through Jesus that changes religion, changes bad doctrine that has been taught for centuries and sets people free to walk in the spirit, to live in the spirit, to keep in step with the spirit. What if we truly believe that community was vital for the life of the individual and the health of his body. You know, there's 59 one another's in the New Testament to honor one another, love one another, be devoted to one another. What if we truly believe that? What if that is a pillar for us? We can say we have a pillar, but we have to live it out. We have to walk it. And then the last pillar we'll look at the last week is missions. Not doing a mission trip, but missions. And what God is calling us to. So stand with me. You know, this morning as I was going over my message and praying, I don't know about you, but if you've ever shared or given a talk, there's like a thousand things running through my mind and heart. This week, as I was studying, just things began to pop. So if I didn't get them all out, forgive me. Hopefully one day I'll get them out. But I pray you got the intent of my heart and the spirit of my heart. And we just don't look at the book as just some archaic book, but it's alive. It's active, and it reveals Jesus in every part of our lives, in every way. Let's pray.